I've come to appreciate uh, the fact that um, the good news of Jesus Christ is transformative. It is life-changing. The Tennessee Baptist Mission Board oversees the daily operation of the missions and ministry activities of the network of churches that make up the Tennessee Baptist Convention. More than 3,000 churches are part of that network, serving together through cooperative program giving, the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions, and the ministries of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board to reach Tennessee, reach the nations, and change the world for the glory of Jesus Christ. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. We're going to Dive into a new venture that my dear friend Danny Sinkfield and his wife Rhonda are about to start trekking. <laughs> yes, sir. Danny Sinkfield, welcome to the program. Welcome to Bot Radio Network. Thank you, Byron. We're always honored to be with you. I started off talking about the Tennessee Baptist because I know this is going to be a new step in ministry for you, something called Harvest Fields. Is that the official title? Yeah, so the language that we're using is a Harvest Field team leader. And there are six harvest fields across the great state of Tennessee. And as you mentioned, with our 3,000-plus partnering churches, I'm the West Tennessee guy. We're going to have the privilege of living here in our hometown of Bartlett. We are going to minister to about 560 churches here in this harvest field. It's uh, kind of a large one. We go all the way up to Kentucky, all the way over to the Tennessee River, 15 counties 563 partner churches that we're going to be uh, ministering among. Wow, that's incredible. Yes. I mean, it really is. So recapping 27 years as of last year, you completed as the senior pastor at Faith Baptist Church in Bartlett. Back up a little bit. What was your very first impression when you stepped into the role as pastor at Faith Baptist, the very first days and months when you entered that position. Yeah, so uh, Faith Baptist Church is the first church I've ever served as senior pastor. So you're looking and hearing from a pastor who's only had one church his whole time in ministry. I was, you know, staff member at two or three other churches, but when we first came to Bartlett, Tennessee to serve as the first full-time pastor, Faith Baptist Church, it was an overwhelming sense of responsibility. There were a lot of things that I had to learn, uh, you know, on the job training. I had great mentors. The, the fact is we had great people at Faith, still do, great people. The church was about 300 members at the time, and now uh, close to 4,000 members. So we, we have seen an incredible, it's been a great journey, Byron. We love our church family. The idea when I first came on to, to answer your question was there was a whole lot about ministry that I had no idea and and you have to learn experience, you know, as a great teacher. Thankfully, our church family allowed me to try and fail many times and many different things. And we're going to write a book one day about the things we tried that did not work well. <laughs> I love that. And these are things you don't learn in Bible college and seminary. You and I first met when we were both students at Mid-South Bible right. College, which dates us, Danny, a way little back, bit. Way back. I know you went on to seminary and continued studies and uh, got your doctorate. But these are things you don't learn when it comes to really dealing with the issues of people, the issues mm-hmm. of the heart. Mm-hmm. It's like Jesus, he did life with the disciples and with the people that he encountered. You know, that's right. We, we talk a lot about the importance of a calling. Uh, ministry, I think, has to be a very personal, very passionate calling from the Lord. Then, of course, there's preparation and training, as you mentioned. There's a lot of things that we uh, need to wrap our hearts and minds around when it comes to uh, the essentials of ministry. But doing life with people, shepherding the flock of God, as the Word says in First Peter chapter 5, we realize that the church doesn't belong to us, and we want to be very careful because the church, man, is the bride of Christ. And we want to treat her with all due respect 
and we want to love and lead uh, passionately, faithfully. And we, you know, one of the things that I say to our young pastors all the time is, please never do any harm to the bride of Christ. How difficult is that hands-off pastor? I mean, in the sense that you have the responsibility. Uh, I did an interview that will be airing soon with Vance Pittman, and he's written a book about stressless life. And I know you as a pastor have dealt with stress. Pastors do, as we all do, and humans. But thinking that he had to solve all of the problems that came the church's way, ultimately his body shut down because the stress was so great. Uh, Of course, you can absolutely be overwhelmed you know, with, uh, again, doing life with people is a great privilege, but there's also a lot of uh, energy that's expended, especially when you walk closely with your people. Uh, not every pastor has the same kind of rhythm, but, um, you know, I was very engaged, have been very hands-on. Uh, one of the things that I started early on when the church was very small was writing handwritten birthday cards to every member of the church on their birthday. Well, when you got 300 members, not a big deal. It's like one a day or less. But as the church grew, I kept that practice. And I remember writing my last birthday card uh, the last week of December and feeling a little bit of satisfaction, though, that I, I did that well and I got a lot of mileage. Our people, many of them have kept those cards over the years. But to write a personal note, to have a, a personal scripture that I wrote in there, and to think about those church members individually and to pray for them, that was, a, that was kind of a fun thing to do. When did the thought come your way about telling Faith Baptist you were seeking a new position in ministry or trying to seek God's will uh, yeah, for sure. your ministry? Well, the church has known for a long time that one of my passions has been to encourage uh, pastors and to help strengthen churches. So I've been doing that as a volunteer with the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board for a number of years, you know, just going to meet with pastors and do some mentoring and those kinds of things. But about a year ago, January, Got a call from Dr. Randy Davis, who is the executive director, the president of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, and he floated this idea about what if we had a full-time guy who had you know a little bit of pastoral experience over three decades who would live in the greater Memphis area and minister among those 560-something churches. And when I heard that opportunity, it was a it was a very clear sense of call. Yeah. I knew a year ago that this is what God was leading me into, and I waited several months to uh, share with our staff, to share with our church. But uh, back last August, I went ahead and let the church know, mm-hmm. and um, that we would be entering a new transitional time, that they'd be needing to seek a new pastor, and that I was following this clear sense of call to do this for the next season. You know, when you talk about retiring, you could talk about maybe stepping down a little bit, taking life a little bit easier, maybe some preaching here and there. This is stepping up, I think. Well, it's stepping out a little bit, for sure, and um, it's not slowing down. And when I say stepping up, I don't mean to compare one is better. I'm talking about the intensity of ministry, dealing directly with pastors and the heartaches and all the things that they're walking through. So, you know, Byron, your, your listeners know that the last couple of years in particular have been terribly hard on churches, but uh, it's taken its toll on pastors. There's a lot of discouragement, uh, a lot of guys wondering if they can stay, you know, in the ministry. And so we've got a lot of work to do around that. Uh, But yeah, you know, it's not like taking uh, a retirement and then just like you said, preaching here and there. We've got some good years left in us. The Lord will give us uh, strength, you know, for this next season. We want to be an encourager, a Barnabas, um, a mentor, a confidant. Pastors need a friend. You know, it's a kind of sometimes it's, uh, you know, odd to think about a pastor with a good church, but there's loneliness and isolation and you can't talk to, you know, just anybody. So to be a guy that's another, you know, another opportunity for them to be able to be strengthened is a great privilege. 
What was Rhonda's impression when you said we're moving ministry? Yeah, so she knew the passions of the heart. You know, she wasn't overly surprised because we've actually talked about this over the last several years. Her thing was she loves our church family so much. She loves Faith Baptist in Bartlett, and that's her people. That's her community. And so fortunately, because we don't have to move, you know, the headquarters of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board is in Franklin, Tennessee, but we're staying in Bartlett. So the hope is that we can stay as members of our church. She can teach her fifth-grade Sunday school class, work with Bible drill, be a member, a good member of the church. And, uh, you know, I was I was wondering how preaching schedules would go for me, but as of – uh, like the first week of my announcement, my schedule filled up relatively quick. So I'll be out most every Sunday yeah. preaching somewhere. What do you see, Danny, is your greatest contribution to this new work? I think, um, you know, the, the fact that I have walked in a lot of the places where pastors find themselves now in all different sized churches. I came to faith when it was a very small single staff member church. I was the only full-time minister there. So I, I know that lay of the land there. I know what the issues are. Um, and then, you know, quite honestly, God has just put a um, an overwhelming sense of respect and love and compassion for pastor brothers and staff members. And so I, I hope that I can, through experiences that we've faced and, you know, quite honestly, some struggles that we faced, I can bring that to bear, you know, on, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a real thing. You know, it's not just somebody who's uh, had read a book about it. But when you've lived it, when you've experienced what pastors are, are going through, I think that'll be helpful. What were some of the biggest challenges to your ministry, maybe some struggles over these past 27 years? You know, there's a, there's a wide range of things that have happened in, in uh, that length of time. Sometimes it was the positive struggles. You know, we saw some rapid growth. We had to build buildings. We added staff. We had to consider managing of a, a ministry that was moving full speed ahead for many, many years. And then there were some seasons where, you know, there was uh, limited growth, where baptisms were a little low, where we weren't reaching as many people. Um, maybe, you know, we saw some people leaving our church for various reasons. And, you know, those ups and downs are real, and uh, they can absolutely, you know, tear at the soul of a pastor when you see some of the people that you've invested in, you know, moving away for di- different reasons, maybe yeah. a church down the street or whatever. Right. Right. And so those are, those are always constant burdens that you bear. But then just doing life with people, seeing them go through the phases of their um, you know, being young parents, and then, you know, we grow older, yeah. and then losing friends. The last couple of years, honestly, we have done more funerals oh. than I want to even, you know, mention. Uh, losing members through death or as they move away, those are some of the hardest things and the greatest challenges yeah. that we faced. What about some hallelujah moments? Mm-hmm. Maybe when you felt like your back was against the wall and you just saw God just yes. really show up. Yes. We've marked several of those here in the last few uh, months before departure. We, we've we talked about, you know, the the faith journey and the faith story. And just from this one local church, we have seen the hand of God move so powerfully and miraculously through uh, many things. One, one instance, I'll just share this quickly. We had an opportunity uh, 10 or 12 years ago to purchase the old Camp Cordova property. I had no idea, you know, if our church would even bite on that. I just shared the vision. What if faith bought it? What if we brought it back to life? It was shut down for a couple of years, and um, it was pretty dear to us and the Baptist family in this area. And so I just shared it with the leadership, and they said we we should share it with the church. And we negotiated a price on one particular Sunday. We needed a, a, a cash down payment, so we took a special offering. The amount needed was $500,000. Well, <laughs> That's you know that's yeah. not pocket change for any of us, and so with the Sunday came, 
miraculously, and I mean literally the hand of God moved in the heart of people, and, and one Sunday for that special offering, Faith Baptist Church, a little country church that most people have never heard of, raised $720,000. Oh, praise God. The camp's paid for now. It's alive and well and reaching you know churches and families across the Mid-South. Our dear friend Matthew Croissant yes. is doing incredible work overseeing that. You made a wise choice by bringing him on the team coming from Louisiana. That's right. Got that Cajun blood and yes. fire. He, but he uh, is uh, <laughs> incredible. His whole team is wonderful, and we thank God for him. Danny, how has your understanding of the gospel grown since you first started in the ministry? Yeah. You know, when you, when you think about uh, our understanding of the gospel, you know, it is really uh, magnified when you share life with people. You realize that the gospel is powerful. Paul said it that way. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. So one of the lessons we've learned about the gospel is we ought to never give up on anyone, whether it's a son or a daughter going down the wrong path, whether it's you know a neighbor that you think they could never they could never change, they could never uh, have any kind of transformation. Well, we've seen the power of the gospel in in up close and personal ways. So I've I've come to appreciate uh, the fact that um, the good news of Jesus Christ is transformative. It is life-changing. Paul was right when he said, if any man is in Christ, he is or she is a new creation. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. How do you address the issue? Paul had to deal with this, too, in his time when there were similarities of the gospel, but not the true gospel Mm -hmm. or things that would come in and try to imitate the gospel as a substitute. We're seeing that today. I feel like there's churches that are compromising for whatever reason the gospel. Yeah, we're not the first generation that's ever had, you know, cultural pressure on what we preach as the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why, you know, a strong convictional embrace of the of the Bible as the inspired and errant word of God that's the true it's the truth without you know any mixture of error. We can trust it. Quite honestly, I, I've just made that my my focus as a pastor. They're going to preach the Bible, the whole gospel, and we're going to be very biblically sound, well entrenched in the doctrines of of the saints. And you know, these days there is a lot of pressure. Um, there's a lot of pressure from media, a lot of pressure from culture. And I would just say to my pastor friends listening today that you will always be on the right path when you're following biblical truth. There is no need to water it down, to try to change it or soften it. God's Word is alive and powerful, and it does the work. It does the work, Danny. So what is God teaching you personally in His Word lately? I've been reading through Psalms and Proverbs uh, here in this new year, and I've also done a study in the the prayers, of, uh, especially the Old Testament saints. The prayers of the people who've gone before us are powerful. The prayers of Moses, of course, the prayers of, da- of David. But I, I read recently and shared in a devotion um, this past week the prayers of Jehoshaphat. Second Chronicles chapter 20, I love that so much where they're surrounded by the enemy and, and uh, the king of Judah calls the people uh, into fasting and prayer. And then he prays this prayer. It's recorded in Second Chronicles 20, verses 6 through 12. And down in verse 12, there's this honest admission. The king of Judah says, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Wow. You know, I'm just finding in Scripture right now a fresh word of it's okay not to know the answers. Trust me. And watch. In fact, that was what they were told to do. This battle doesn't belong to you. The battle belongs to the Lord. So you wait, you watch, and you worship, and God will take care of the rest. What a good word, Danny. Oh, my goodness. We need to hear that and be reminded because it's so easy to allow the circumstances to fog our vision, yes, sir. to get our eyes off Jesus, you know, 
And it says we're to fix our eyes upon him. You know, he's the one who's the author and the finisher of that faith. That's right. And when you think about the church's uh, authority, we're people to whom Jesus himself in the Great Commission said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Now you go. And he has given us kingdom authority. So the power of prayer, the power of proclamation of his word, the power of walking in the spirit, being salt and light in our world. This is what makes my heart beat fast as a pastor, as a leader, and as a follower of Jesus. So where are Tennessee Baptists today in reaching the state for Christ? I would like to say that we are ahead of the game, but quite honestly, we are seeing a lot of churches that have have ceased to grow. Um, they have uh, they're maintaining some of them. We have uh, some churches that are struggling, quite honestly, and so our work is our work is plenty. It's the the percentage of lost people in our state is staggering. We are approaching four million people in our state that have no connection to any Christian church, and that's a church. You know, that's a state that has you know almost seven million people in it. So four million lost people gives us even in the metro areas like Metro Memphis, we have so many people who aren't connected to Christ, who aren't involved in church. So there are lost people everywhere. I think we have to return to evangelism, discipleship. Passionate prayers for you know the the prayer for the harvest. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would, would send out laborers into the fields. So we need more young pastors and missionaries and ministry leaders. We need our churches to remember uh, who we belong to. Um, that we don't have to back up to our culture at all. We now's the it's a perfect season for the Holy Spirit of God to bring revival in this great area of ours. You know something I just discovered recently that the third most spoken language in the state of Tennessee. Number one is English. Number two is Spanish. Number three is Arabic, mm-hmm. particularly in the you know in the Nashville area. But yes, we have some Afghan folks in our city of Memphis uh, that we're that Southern Baptists and Tennessee Baptists are reaching out to. Thank God for Mark Morris and and uh, his ministry there. Here's the deal: the world is coming to us. Yes, and what a privilege that oh, is. Oh yes. So yes. let's be ready for that. Let's be ready. Let's kind of reflect a moment if we can, because I know. Faith doesn't put billboards up and radio advertisements, so look what we're doing, you know. But God has used this ministry under your leadership to help do church planting and really reach and connect with the city. Talk about some of those plants and relationships that gives you joy, just seeing how they've grown in the connection with these different communities. Thanks. And so, we, you know, our, our vision statement is very clear. We are all about sharing the gospel and teaching our members to share the gospel in the workplace, in the marketplace, their homes, their neighborhoods. So sharing the gospel, strengthening churches, strengthening other churches. In other words, giving ourselves away to serve area churches is a is a beautiful part of our, our vision. Starting new churches, and just a couple of quick stories there. One of our, actually the largest and the most healthy of all of our church plants, is uh, Faith Baptist in Arlington, Tennessee. Now, we've had several other local church plants, and some of them have done really well. Um, but to give away people to go plant a new church in a neighboring community is one of the great joys of my ministry. The only thing I regret is we didn't do more of it. Yeah. Starting churches is a strategy that is biblical. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not called to uh, keep everybody. In fact, the people don't belong to us anyway, right? They belong to the Lord. Yeah. Whenever I see a need or a mission field that needs a new church start, for instance, here in the great Mid-South, the Ford plant is coming, Ford Oval City. So we're getting ready for about twenty-five to 30,000 new workers that are going to move into Haywood County, into Lauderdale County, into Fayette County. We're going to plant some churches. We're excited about the opportunity to reach some of those folks for Christ. Yeah, it's really unlimited, the opportunities that God has allowed us. Because doesn't the Word say that the fields are ripe yes, into sir, harvest, but ready. the laborers are few? Right. 
So that's our prayer, that God would raise up churches with an evangelistic thrust, with a desire to do kingdom work, to be like the church at Antioch that gave away their best to do this incredible mission and ministry opportunity that God's given to us. Who are some of the communities that really have encouraged you in your work? You know, uh, like many young pastors, um, one of the legendary pastors that mentored and encouraged me was Dr. Adrian Rogers. Man, to be around him, to be a neighboring pastor for over 10 years until he retired and subsequently went to be with the Lord. You know, Dr. Rogers just, he loved young pastors especially, loved everybody, but he loved young pastors. And I always modeled after that. I want to be like that. I never could preach anything near his status, but uh, man, he was a great encourager. The other uh, pastor brothers here in West Tennessee, many of them are good and godly men. I could name names, but I'll, I'll leave somebody out. So we have a pastor's group um, that prays together every Tuesday at 4 p.m. It's been going on for two years now since the pandemic started. We do it by Zoom every Tuesday afternoon at 4 o'clock. There's a group of 8 or 10 or 12 of us, and you would know their names, but we have become dear, dear friends. Praying for our city. You know, something I'm, I'm hearing more about stories like that, that there are these prayer groups yes. all across the city and the nation. People yeah. are crying out to God, Danny. So what the enemy intended for harm, you know, in pandemic or whatever, shutdowns, lockdowns, uh, the Lord has allowed it to be like the days of Joseph. It's, it's turned out to be the good. And I think we're going to see more good things come than, than negative in the yeah. days ahead. On the Faith Baptist website, I was drawing some information off of that under your biographical information, and it's a heart for serving that faith includes the faithful preaching of God's Word and shepherding of God's people. Those work hand-in-hand hand for a pastor, don't they? They're so important to faithfully preach and then to shepherd the people. You know, what I say to uh, our young pastors and our team members, the gospel is all we have. And the gospel is all we need. We can trust the scriptures. You know, the scriptures are powerful, as we mentioned a moment ago. And then shepherding is my favorite image of a pastor. Shepherds lead and feed and protect, guide and love and discipline sometimes their sheep. There's a book that I read years ago is something to the effect that uh, this, that we smell like sheep. I think the, the title of Smell Like Sheep. When you really love people and you walk close to the to the folks that that you serve with, you know, you're going to get your hands dirty sometimes. There's going to be some things that are just not all that pleasant. But life is real, man. And we, we, you know, people need somebody they know that loves them, will pray for them, will tell them the truth, go down the hard paths with them and without judgment, but with a lot of grace. Yes, a lot of grace. Well, how do you create that loving culture in a church? Mm-hmm. You know, you can walk into some churches and you just get a cold feeling, you know? Yeah, you, you know, can walk into others and you just feel like you're so welcomed. I know there are a lot of great churches, and your listeners belong to many of those churches. I know churches take on the, the character of leadership sometimes. I think that if we would model the mindset of Christ, it's it, there's humility, there's compassion, there's this real sense of we don't think too highly of ourselves. We're broken people that are humbled by the fact that God loves us anyway, and we all are recipients of God's amazing grace. And, you know, we say that kind of stuff all the time. And I think if pastors would remind their people um, that this can be home, you know, one of the things, our favorite things to say at our church at Faith was welcome home, welcome home, because everybody needs a church home. Every believer needs a place to do life, to grow, to serve, to share. Danny, reflecting back over the past 27 years of Faith, what has been the funniest thing that's happened to you? You know, I'm going to write a book about some of those things. <laughs> going way back, even into my ministry days in Florida as a youth minister, there used to be more of these, a lot of old Sunday school campaigns, growth campaigns, and there would always be something, you know, that if you met the number of people in Sunday school, then the preacher would have to do something. Well, I was uh, inscripted that if we met, I think it was a 1,000 people one time in attendance, that I would kiss a mule. 
<laughs> and this truly happened to me. They brought in the mule because we met the thing in our gym. And I tried my best to kiss this mule, but he bolted. And he ran like he was on fire. And to this day, people still remind me, hey, remember that time you tried to kiss the mule? So, you know, the things we do for love, right? I don't think I've ever heard a pastor talk about kissing, <laughs> kissing the mule. The mule yeah. I love that. And, and you know, the other things. I, I want to tell you about, this may not be funny, but it was heart-rending for me. Uh, recently, I was baptizing a little eight-year-old girl. You know, we pray with them. We meet with them uh, ahead of time. They have a little testimony video they play. And just about time we were walking down into the baptistry with this beautiful little girl, her mother said to me, Brother Danny, do you remember that when I was eight years old, you baptized me? I had lost it. I just, it was like overwhelming to remember. What a privilege, you know, to be able to stay in one place long enough to have multi-generations, little children become and parents themselves. A lot of guys don't get that because they don't stay that long. I loved it so much. So you'll be doing a lot of traveling, preaching across the state of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. How will you connect with pastors in this position in the sense of one-on-one counseling, seminars, all the above? Some of all of that. Uh, I just sent out today a mass email to 560 pastors in our Harvest Field just um, sharing with them my personal information. And I want to be very available and accessible. Those 560 churches are divided into 11 associations. The Mid-South Association is the largest. There's the ones up in Jackson and up in Union City and, you know, all around this part of West Tennessee. So I'll be doing a lot of those meetings, conferences. Uh, I'll be hosting some things for, for pastors and leaders. And then, yeah, it'll be, it'll be one-on-one, you know, again, as I, Invited to go and preach to those churches. I'll have an opportunity to meet with their staff or, yeah. or to do some leadership training. But, you know, again, my favorite figure in the New Testament outside of Jesus is the man they called Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Yes. And that's the model that I want to follow. I just want to be, I want to be life-giving to bring some joy and some hopefully, you know, experiential direction to, to churches and leaders. Danny, we all need to be life-giving, don't we, as Christ yes. followers? What difference we could make in our world. See, the world is, you know, the world is not our friend. You know, <laughs> no. there is discouragement and, yes. and, you know, indifference. And the church ought to be a place where, where people speak life and sense that they are loved. And if we can help foster that spirit among our churches, then I will have had a great life. Danny Singfield, God bless you, my dear friend. Thank you for what you've been allowing Christ to do through you and continue to do through you for his kingdom. Yes, sir. Thanks for being our guest today. Thank you, Byron. Now, if folks want information about the ongoing ministry, to stay in contact with you, to maybe somebody that you've impacted their life, and they're saying, hey, I hear Danny on the radio, and I haven't talked to him in a while. I want to send him a note of encouragement or just have a way to reach you. What's the best way to do that? Sure. You know, I I have um, my—the church has allowed me to be the pastor emeritus at Faith Baptist, so all of the contacts through Faith Baptist Church at Bartlett still exist. Uh, my new email address is uh, dsinkfield. You know me. You know how to spell that name. It's a little bit difficult. Uh, at tnbaptist.org. I am accessible through social media. They can look me up on Facebook and, and uh, all the all the different ways uh, that they're accustomed to doing. Well, blessings to you and Rhonda, the children, uh, the grandchildren. Yes. <laughs> we hope to have a little more time with the grandchildren these days. That's yeah. where it's at right there, Danny. Yeah. God bless you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.